the churches that have have a history of being incubators mm-hmm. like Chapelwood. I mean, you go back when you yeah. were given the the keys to go start Mercy Street. What was that? 142 years it ago. Was, uh, it was 142 years ago. It was. <laughs> you were benching 305. <laughs> He was still compensating for a lot of things. He hadn't had all his Can stuff we... worked out yet. Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. This and this is Pod at Mercy. Uh, John sent a couple of really stimulating links. Um, one is about Idaho men recapturing a Guinness so World Record. So here's what's interesting about this. So these two Idaho men, they recapture the Guinness World rec- Record for wet sponge hits. <laughs> So one guy throws the wet sponges, hits this guy in the face. Yeah, you can watch it. And it's 51 wet sponges in 30 seconds. Now, here, here's what the... That's the, almost two a second. Sometimes the, there's more to the story yeah. than the, the story. It's they recaptured. <laughs> so they held the recaptured. record. Recaptured, oh. They held the record, which meant there were some other yahoos out there. Yeah, from Ohio, jerks from Ohio. decided... We're bringing it back to hey, Idaho. Those guys did. Uh, those guys did 48 sponges in 30 seconds. Yeah. I think we can beat that. And they get 50. And these, then these are just guys, two white dudes in the suburbs that have way too much time. They have lost all meaning. Look at this. Look at this. Please, can we show? Can we add this to the show notes? Guinness World's record. I, I mean, that is. Yeah, that was that was the real that was the real special part of it is they they recaptured, <laughs> recaptured. the record. That means there's like people out there doing this. Yeah, right. Sponge to the face. Sponge what sponge to the, to face. the face? I want to hear about this one. That... Okay, this this is an Arizona priest. Scroll down a little bit more. So this Arizona priest, his name's in there. Oh, there he is. Reverend Andres Arango. Apparently, in the Diocese of Phoenix, he baptized, instead of saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, our Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. he said, we baptize you. And the church has said that none of his baptisms that he did using we are valid. Wow. Yeah, they're sticking to their theology there, aren't they? I mean, I think it's, I mean, I'm sure that's important. It matters. I get it. But it's like, think about all these poor children and parents. There's a part of me that, you know, th- this is the thing. It's like theology or doctrine and theology. They're, they're, they're very important. They're big deals. You know, part of that is why we're splitting our denomination or will at some point is over a disagreement on interpretation or doctrine or theology. Or culture. Culture. But this one seems to be, first of all, it's an honest mistake. I, I mean, I think. I don't think he like was trying to invalidate. But like, I, I remember a, a professor in seminary saying, every act of ministry says something about the nature and the character of God. Right? And so this act of ministry of baptism, who you baptism, baptize, how you baptize, isn't just about like a, like the rules of a church. It really you're you're saying this is saying something about the nature and the character of God. And so I think that's where I would probably depart from the Catholic understanding of baptism, in that it it is a baptism into a we, you know. And the church does, in a sense, participate in that. I think I could argue all day long the weeness of baptism. I like how we do baptisms here. I think it's cool. I do. Where people call out different uh, attributes. Yeah, I do. I well, that. and that's the the corporate communal. I don't know that I've ever said we baptize you. I've always said I baptize you. Yeah, but we would do. Would it be invalid if you did? Uh, not. I don't think for Methodists. I mean, you know, 
Did you get a Hell, note? we got all uh, during the pandemic, and Methodists got all persnickety <clears> about <throat> online communion. You'd That's have right. thought that oh, was world war. Everybody got into the communion wars, and I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, for some people, that was really yeah. important. Yeah. There was one other um, kind of fun one from the Super Bowl. I don't know if y'all saw oh, the Coinbase you? ad. The Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, from the commercials. Oh, the QR code? The QR oh, was this the one around? where the little QR code was dancing on the screen and it's then everybody like logged in and it crashed people? the site? Yeah, 20 million people scanned the QR code. Why would you do that? Because you can sit in your couch. It's and- like your whole life, they tell you, oh, do you know where this is coming from? Don't open it. Yeah. Don't open it. Did you you know who's sending this text? Oh, that link, don't open it. Oh, yeah. Facebook in the message. Hey, is this you? Yeah. Don't click on it. <laughs> I think this is you. Don't click on it. Stop it. Yeah. Hey, here's something I found. You should look, click that. No, I don't know who you are. And they're going to put it up on the thing. Everybody's going to go, uh, It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> You're in a pizza coma. <laughs> Ste- Stephanie was like, are you going to take the picture? I was like, hell no, I'm not taking a picture of that thing. It'd probably take over all the stuff in my house. I'm like one of those conspiracy, conspiracy like theorists. technology Nazis now. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what all that stuff is. The other current event I had was the, um, there's another Russian cheating scandal in the, uh, the Olympics. They found another athlete. Who another found- Russian cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. This is going to be shocking. This is if the I thought they'd learned their lesson. Who said she took her grandfather's medicine? I don't know. That used to happen to me a lot. I used to get my medication and my grandmother's medication when I was fifteen. <laughs> I used to always up. get my meds mixed up with yeah. my grandmother, especially as a. Now here's this is this is so stupid. You how big of an idiot do you think we are? You are a world class fifteen year old figure skater, the best in the world, finely tuned athlete. I got my meds mixed up. What kind of meds are you taking? It just happens to be their grandfather's meds is also sports performance drug <laughs> yeah. that increases also the capacity of your O2 that, output yeah, in your heart. Yeah, your oxygenation so levels increase. And that that's just, come on. No, I'm not that. I mean, I'm an idiot, but I'm not that big of an idiot. Unbelievable. And they're going to let her skate. Yeah. Y'all want to get into any one of these that we uh, that you shared in the chat? Yeah, the, I think the one that's that kind of resonated is since we are supposed to like have something constructed or we could just end right here we could, we could and i'm done. matt russell <laughs> <laughs> people be like that was really weird I, was really oh, right. I like the uh the the carry new off um just because the trends overlap to yep. social things as well and so the first thing i think about is what, what, what's what subject are we on I don't know. We're just kind of talking about trends of of the church of two thousand. I think it's just. I think it's where we like. Yeah, it's yeah. trends that are gonna that are gonna be ahead of us in twenty twenty two. I think though for the church, but for all of us, because the first thing I will say is, I think our return rate in church has been pretty good, but it's nowhere near what was pre pandemic. We have a lot more engagement online virtual we'll talk about that as a hybrid system now i think that's going to be somewhat the new normal i mean i don't know that i I run into people all the time that are watching church every week Mm -hmm. and rarely come and they're like hey man i don't like this this is good pretty sweet and they're still plugged in they're still connected Mm -hmm. and I, i i know of a couple of churches in town that are like shaming their people you gotta be back you gotta be in the pew and there was even one church that forbade 
the Sunday school classes and the other classes said you cannot use Zoom. You wow. cannot do online or virtual. We're not going to stream it. Wow. Because <laughs> you got to get your butt here in the building. And I just think that's the wrong. I mean, it may be the right take with a particular congregation. I just don't think that's the way it's going. But I think the um, here's another thing that's, that people were talking about recently. So look at society, right? Super Bowl is packed. Right. Basketball stadium, base, well, baseball if they ever play. Football games packed. Concerts are back open. People are in restaurants. Every restaurant I go to, it's pretty slammed. I mean, it's not like, I mean, people are everywhere. Right. But offices, if you look at the statistics of people yep. who have returned to offices, it's like 56% yep. of people that have actually returned full-time to the office. Okay. And someone said that the anxiety has shifted from the anxiety of getting sick to now the anxiety is transferred to like, I'm anxious about living life again. Like reintegrating, mm. and selfishly, I wouldn't want to go back to the office if I could work from home. Price what was it? Price Waterhouse Cooper basically said, "No one's ever coming back to the office. We're done with offices." Wow, and there have been a couple of companies that have done that, but I think that's like, you know, churches have had to ask, and there are still churches that are not meeting in person. Right. Yeah, so Kerry Newoff, is a, he does a good job with trends and stuff. A lot of people follow him. He does stuff on leadership. You can go search him. His last name is spelled N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. I say my W's like that because you know when I was in college, I worked at a radio station. W. Yeah, and you couldn't say W. You could say W. 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 P-T-B. The only station you'll ever need. You'd be a great DJ. I could see that. But anyway, the, uh, this demise of the old model of church. Now, what it's interesting there is what is the old model of church? Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. One hour. Or two. Or three. Well, it's different. Like when you and I were growing up, it was Sunday. So you'd have Sunday morning. Then you'd have MYF and choir and afterglow. Right. Yeah. So I went Sunday afternoon. I went Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Yep. That was it. That was your schedule. Yep. That Wednesday was nights died. When I was when I was young, they would have Sunday night church service, like yes. a church with this. Right. The associate pastor would yep. preach. They'd have the same music. It was almost like, but it was a little bit more casual. Yeah. Super casual. Even though our church was casual, it was more casual. It was casual. Yeah. There's casual, and then there's more casual. There's favorite and more favorite. And all the youth would go to the Sunday night service. Yeah. S same with us. We'd like eat afterwards. We'd have youth group and then there'd be some. But I think the, the old model, I mean, whatever you want to call the old model, whatever the model is, the model of church in America for the, for the long time, the past 20, 30, 40 years has been in decline. So to think that somehow the pandemic is, is like really, right. it's really putting a, a kink in the system. Yeah. Pandemic has really set us back, man. It's just, I've, I, what I say all the time is pandemic is just the accelerant. Right. It's just gas on the mm -hmm. fire that was all the embers that were already right. burning. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, 2021 Gallup poll shared that for the first time ever, church membership dropped below 50% nationwide. Hmm. Millennials, only 36% identify with the church. Gen Z, 
33, a third say they have no religious affiliation at all. So 10 years ago, only 22% of millennials said they had no religious affiliation. And now that's 31%, Gen Z, 33%. The baby boomers, so I think about the parents of the baby boomers, where they call those the sustainers or the, the greatest generation, right? The fought World War II. And, and, and some are still around, you know, the very young end of those. And they're your ones that are here every week, even, even though they're vulnerable to COVID. They were some of the first ones back. It's just that mm. loyalty. Mm-hmm. I pay yeah. my pledge. I come to church. I show up at this lunch. I show up at this. I was just uh, downstairs with, uh, uh, we call them the circles, you know, mm-hmm. United Methodist Women's Circle. Yeah. And it was a group of older ladies. They're friends. They love each other. Man, they're in there eating lunch. Yeah. It's not keeping them bound. Yeah. You know, they're, they're here. But the younger generation has already been phasing out of that. Mm. And so I think um, just religion in America already has a bad rap. And I think because I, I always thought for a long time it was because people were saying, what difference does it make? What difference does a church make? But wow, over the last two years, I'm convinced that people more than ever look at the church and go, y'all are a bunch of freaking hypocrites yeah i mean yeah we we were at the center of the divided issues on race and politics and vaccines and masks and everything else and it was christian people right and if i wasn't a christian and i was man i'd really be done right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah And, and i think that what what I'm starting to wonder is if it's in smaller batch communities that transformation happens. I think one of his points is that, that there's a, there's a difference between information and transformation. Information will happen online. Transformation will happen in in person. And whether it's through podcasts or digital kind of outputs, those kinds of things, you can get good information online. But when you show up in person, that's the dojo. There ought to be like practices that are equipping people for their everyday life and making an impact. Right. And so I think that shift is when one of the ones I get really excited about, because I think folks, when they show up, there is a deep sense that they're wanting something more than just having some more information that they have access to. There, there's an equipping piece. There's a transformative piece that I think has to be. There's, I, I mean, I sense at least here for us, and I think that this is happening in other places. There's a, there's a real excitement and there's energy yeah. and there's a vibe because the people who are here and coming are engaged and they're invested. And what we've decided to do is to say, we're going to double down on focusing on Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and let them challenge us no matter where we are in this spectrum. And so if you're on the right, you're going to get challenged. If you're on the left, you're going to get challenged because man, we're in Luke six right now in in the sermon on the plane. And it doesn't matter what your position is on anything, this stuff is going to challenge you. And I think what people want to see in a church is, can you be faithful to the biblical principles? Yeah. Don't just pick and choose the stuff that resonates with you and your worldview and your politics and your ideology or co-opt it and and shift it and manipulate it to defend just your position because that's what churches have done. And I'm both sides of the issues. Yeah. I think conservatives do it and liberals do it. Yeah. And and will there be a church that will teach Jesus and then bear witness to that and what they do in their everyday life, call each other into that, right? 
And so it's then the so what factor gets higher. So if we're going to talk about this, what impact did that, does that have on my everyday life, raising my kids, my neighbors, housing issues in my community, food issues, whatever those things are, that that we ought to see a, a shift in, in, in folks coming together because the church has showed up. Yeah. And I think the, the when you think about shifting from traditional, this whole idea of like what really matters is happening in that one hour service or when we gather together. Right. And a big thing we're figuring out, and I think we should have figured out a long time ago, is that the innovation that's going to happen and what the church is going to be is going to it's going to happen, yeah, in the church, but it's going to be taking place outside yeah. the church and outside of Sunday, yeah. outside the building and outside of Sunday, because the people that you're going to intersect with and be in ministry with are going to be people that are in the community, not in your church building. Yeah, yeah. And huh. I think that's going to be important if, you know, you this whole hole up in the, in the, it's such a, a, a 19th and 20th century model. We build these churches, we come, we gather, they're centers of the community, they move and shape the culture, but you have to come to them. And, That's right. and pastoral ministry was even like the guys who were retiring when I came in, it was like every morning they get up, they put on their suit, they go sit in their office all day. Everything comes to them. Yes. It's like, um, what do they call it? Inside sales. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you don't have to go out and knock on doors. My wife did that for a while. In, on a cell phone company, I mean, on a cable company. Yeah. You know, they had the door-to-door, -door, mm -hmm. the outside sales, and then they had the inside sales where you just sit there and they call you. Mm -hmm. That's a lot easier. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the ministry. And it was inside sales. And I think a lot of mm -hmm. uh, ministry, huh. people think still uh, in terms of inside sales. Yeah, that's really, really true. That's really true. You know, I think part of the model of the church is, at least in evangelism, has been, we've got it, you need it, how about it? Right, But if we look at Pentecost and we think that the spirit of the living God has been poured out on all flesh, then God is already in the world reconciling, doing stuff in the world. So the model that you're talking about is one that says, wait a minute, God's active already in the world. If we're sitting on our butts in the church, we're in the wrong place. Because God's in the world redeeming the world to, to God's self. So let's get in the world and collaborate with organizations, with people, with neighborhoods, where we see the possibility of transformation in new life. Yeah. So it's not then that we show up and save the world. I think I think in this what's happening that the church might get saved. At the end of the day, I think it's the church that needs to get saved because we have already we, we've we've kind of kind of figured out that we've got it all set and we're realizing coming out of this that we don't. And so if, I think if we move into the world where Jesus already is, we might just get saved ourselves. And one of the things we're doing here too is going through a process with our friend mm -hmm. Todd Bolsinger. Yeah. And learning to kind of learn about ourselves and learn what the needs are in the community, but then engage in a season or in a process of experimentation. I love that because, you know, learning, organizational learning or congregational learning, corporate learning only happens one of two ways. You either imitate a model or trial and error. You know, that's organizational right. learning 101. You either imitate a model. Well, guess what? We are in a place in a space right now where there are no more models to imitate. Yeah. There are no models to imitate. That was never the case before because culturally you'd have things that would kind of work or blow up. And, but we were so uh, methodologically um, enslaved 
So they would start this new church in, just, in the suburb of Atlanta. Let's just call it Willow Creek. Well, you could do that one or oh. North Point or <laughs> any of these. But there, there was some church got started, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, it just like, boom, it blew up. And it had tens of thousands of people all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was in a suburb of Atlanta or a suburb of Chicago or wherever it was. And all of a sudden, here's a church in Kansas that's like, we got to do what they're doing. It's like, dude, they ain't working in Kansas. Mm. We ain't in Kansas anymore. No. Well, it, it was, it's true, because then you'd have these churches then that would do conferences and come and learn from what we did and just reproduce it. And then you, for 1999, you could have a church in a box. And if you just did this exact same thing, you can rebo- uh, reproduce the same results. Who was the guy? It was a guy in um, <coughs> New York City, and he would do when this, this big new church movement thing was coming up, that um, was sort of a model, and he would do these sermon series and these graphics packages, and he'd sell them, and people would buy them, and they would just preach those sermons and use those <laughs> graphics. It was just, they weren't doing anything themselves. It was just a replicated cut-and-paste yes. deal. Yeah. And it was even yeah, like the everywhere. construction of the building was based on some model. No kitchen, right? We're not going to have a kitchen. If we have to do food, we'll bring it in from outside. Kitchens are real expensive. We're not spending our money. We're going to spend it all on auditorium space or on some cool jive kid center, you know, that looks like an old Western town. <laughs> you know. Haiti, partner. Or under the sea in right. an aquarium. You know what I'm talking about? I've been yeah. in those places. Yeah, like, it's sure, like a theme sure. park. Sure. And it became, it was always very attractional, attractional, the show, the yeah, your thing, you know, yeah. to drive people in. The, the problem with that is it doesn't, it doesn't press us to think about where we're located and who we're around and what the the pain points of our community are. We assume that if I can build a Disney World, people will come to it because people love Disney. Yeah, and he had to preach about like dating, marriage, and sex, at least like mm-hmm. four series a year. Right. And there would be these big billboards with like the naked feet under the sheets. It's like, wow, <laughs> shock. The church is going to talk about sex. sex. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about sex. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's all these chases. Like, it, I can tell you, man, for a while, those like new hipster, hipster churches, it was like 52 weeks of the year, and about 26 of those are going to be relationships, marriage, being single, sex. Purpose. Your purpose driven self uh, mostly was marriage and sex uh, single and sex sex and sex whatever it was like. sex i mean I, I, I was i'm serious yeah it was like this hook yeah you know what can we do to capture the fish and get them in especially young people mm-hmm. and that was great because i i used i remember it was, was kind of like when we did with the christmas eve services i can tell you like what the church is going to do i could tell you not now but you know 10 years ago if I heard about a certain church, this new church is kind of doing, I said, all right, we're going to go look at all the sermons they preached last year. And I guarantee you, at least 20 weeks is going to be on marriage, single, sex, something, something, the relationships. And sure enough, was. The other thing is that... <laughs> I wonder what that means. I think I've wrestled with and everybody who's in church wrestles with is like, when's everybody coming back? When are we going to be back to like it was? And I remember, what was it? June of 21, right? Yeah. It's over. Yes. COVID is over, officially over. We're planning for a new kickoff in the fall. Going back to three services. Everybody is going to be back. It's going to be on. And then Delta Surge. Delta. 
you know, an Omicron surge. And we thought, oh, well, Christmas Eve after Delta, you know, when Delta got a Christmas Eve, it's going to be on. Everybody's going to be back on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Everybody thought everybody's going to be back last. Don't you remember Easter of 21? Everybody's going to be back. It's going to be on. Hadn't happened. Two years and it hasn't happened. And what I think is, and I think he makes a good point, there, there's, there's a normalization that's happening about attendance. And you, you, we all have new churches. It's like I said, the people who are coming and the people who are engaged, when you look at the young families that are coming and the new yeah. people that have been joined, we've had a lot of new people join. They're resonating with this. They've been disillusioned maybe in other churches or just in society mm-hmm. in, in the lack that Christianity brought to the, 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 what we were facing in the world. And they want to be in a place that says, hey, I want to be about a deep formation community that's not afraid to get their fingernails dirty. And they're resonating. There was a, a family here this past week, first time, and we were just talking about, you know, Christianity in America, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't behave well. No. And what we're trying to do here at Chapelwood is recover to go to a deeper level of our faith and, and try to just diagnose. It's almost like an autopsy of what, what, did, what were we doing that didn't enable us to, to be who we should have been yeah. Yeah. and to be yeah. the light and the salt of yeah. the world? Yeah. And he's like, man, I love this. This is just, yeah. this is what I need. This yeah. is what my family needs. Yeah. This is what we, everyone yeah. needs. Yeah. It's just an examination, you know, of our faith yep. in the midst of world. Because it's not going to get any easier. No. I, 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 I think, though, like particularly at Chapelwood, just I don't know how you're feeling about this, John, but I'm getting more and more excited about being a pastor in this community, in this space, you know, because I, I think that what's coming there's not a playbook, but that there is um, a deep sense that if we remain faithful, um, something's going to open up and we get to be a part of whatever God's doing, right? If, if another word for faith, like my spiritual director says, is just risk, then we're, we'll be able to risk the future together, not saying we know how to do it, but come experiment with us. Like come, we want to know what the body of Christ is thinking, seeing where they're living, moving, learning. Like as, as we collectively lean into each other, I think a way is going to open up and we're going to be blown away about what ministry is like in five, 10 years from now. The churches that have, have a history of being incubators mm-hmm. like Chapelwood. I mean, you go back when you yeah. were given the, the keys to go start Mercy Street. What was that? 142 years it ago? Was, it was a hundred. 42 You were benching 305. <laughs> he was still compensating for a lot of things. He hadn't had all his stuff worked out yet. But I mean, it, you know, back then, and, and even when Chapelwood, even before that, the, yes. the stories here that are told in the hallways yeah. about back in the days when Alcoholic Anonymous grew, before they met in churches. Yeah. Right. And they wanted to come meet here, and Kelly, I think, even said, "Yeah, you know, there's a group that's like, yeah, we'll open the doors." Yeah, and people were like, "Oh what? hell no!" Yeah, no, we don't want those folks in church. Yeah. And that that because people don't remember, there was a day when AA groups did not meet in churches. Yeah, yeah, they didn't want those folks in churches. Yeah, in AA, all that. Or, stuff. or if they did, they let them be in the basement on a side door, uh, uh, some really, some, you know, uh, tool shed out on the back of the right. property. No, I'm serious. I'm no, serious. A heart is. attack. I remember when I first came in ministry 30 years ago in certain small towns in South Georgia, oh. it was still like there were community centers. You go do that. You will not do that in the church. No. Wow. And it was even then the cutting edge churches that would allow that. 
Um, yeah. And so it was slower yeah. going into that. But Chapwood was on the front edge of that. They weren't afraid to move in that area. We weren't afraid to, to birth a Mercy Street. We weren't afraid to birth a Center for Contemplative Spirituality yeah. and Christian Spirituality. Before, and even, I'd say before all that stuff became bigger, but even now, a lot of churches don't even delve into that no, stuff. No, no, no. And so to be able to, to be a church that's been innovative, risk-taking, incubating, ideas, we've started a lot of things that have failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff we've had that we we purchased to start things and we're like now we're going to do this didn't work we got to figure something else out yeah but those are the kinds of churches that are going to do well if they have the dna it's really hard though in organizational culture and change management if you are in a system that has not had that dna in it it's a very protected stayed static um low very risk averse type of an organization you better hope you have a lot of endowment. You better hope you have a lot of money. It's a slow bleed. <clears throat> yeah. Which is a sad thing to say because all that really does is it extends you dealing with the consequences. It's just you can be on life support longer. That's what that means. But You, you know can what? be dead longer. But, but, you, but what I would say, like even here when we look at mergers and things with, with Fairhaven that we did, is when a church finally says, we're stuck, we've tried everything, we still have some capacity, we still yeah. have some ability to do something, but we can't do it, and we want you to come and help us and make it happen. Yep. And when you see a church like that, dude, because there's way too many of them that are like, oh, hell no, we're not giving up control. Not we're gonna, we're gonna, We're going to stay right loop. here with our 40 people on Sunday yeah. and not welcoming the anyone new into this place. Our 38 <laughs> people on Sunday. <laughs> In the week after. Because if you thought things were predictable before, it's way going to be way less predictable going forward. Mm. If you thought it was chaotic before or uncertain before, dude, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. What we're, what we're going to enter into now is a time where we used to always do these strategic planning, and every few years you'd have a strategic plan, and you'd do this, and you'd do that. If you have not created a nimble organizational system, if you've not created a very nimble living system that can pivot with some margin to be mm-hmm. able to adequately like shift yeah. and position, you're not going to make it. If you're just, if you're, if you, if you are so filled now punching the clock, working to do the regular, ordinary things you used to do. Got to preach a sermon, got to teach a Bible study, got to have this program, got to do this program, got to do this, got to visit this, got to be there, got to do this. Making the and that's donuts. it, just that, that's it. You're just going to tend, as, as our friend Bob said this morning, you know, you're either, you're either growing or you're tending. And tending is not bad. I mean, hospice ministry is good ministry. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's good ministry. It's, it's God ministry. Mm. But you got to know what you're signing up for. And so to live in the delusion to think that somehow I'm in the tending hospice ministry, but I'm just going to hope things get better and will things get better when no one's willing to work towards that or change, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And and to know, to be in a place also that's not looking for a system to save them, but is saying, what is our culture going through? And to discern that, understand that, articulate that rightly. What are our people going through? to discern that, articulate that, because you know your people and you love your people and the folks kind of feed back and collectively as a body, you begin to move in a way that the spirit leads. That to me is exciting. Yeah. I, I want to be a part you of You know, that. there's something else that I, I just hit me now and it, I kind of, I mean, I think I kind of knew it, but it just hit me right, right mm-hmm. now is 
And people, this is going to be really more for United Methodist people who understand our system, especially pastors, mm-hmm. if they listen to this, which I think we have one or two that might. Um, and your mother. And my mom. <laughs> is the culture of ministry, and I think it, beyond United Methodist, but to particularly, the culture of ministry that we've set up is a very, um, it's, it's a, it operates within a sense of scarcity. Mm-hmm. There's a limited number of, of appointments or churches to serve. Um, you're looking at what the other person, you know, when did they graduate from seminary? How much money do How they, they make? Did they, yeah. did they surpass me? This, that was the old model that used to be. And so what happens is when you go out and you are in a congregation or a church, you're thinking about what comes next. Um, and so you have to perform well enough where you are so that when the opportunity for the next comes, you get a promotion. And so that does not, the, the culture that we've formed, even though we are a connectional church, the culture that is formed is a very competitive culture, yes. a very distrustful culture, and, it, and a culture that has actually discouraged collaboration. Hmm. It, doesn't, it does not encourage collaboration. I can't no. tell you how many times, like, I'll go to a church, and, and we're larger, so I get it. I mean, I'll go to a church and say, hey, can, how can we help? It doesn't have to be a merger, whatever. It can be something else. But we're not just going to come and just write you a check. I mean, it's got to be some kind of a collaborative ministry. And they're, they're, they're just like, no, 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 we got it. No, 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 we got it. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't got it. I mean, I'm not saying we have all the answers, but it, it could be any large church or any. I think the, that larger churches are going to get larger. You can say it's bad or good or indifferent, but larger churches also need to carry the weight of responsibility to look beyond themselves and to look out in the community at the other churches and say, how can we partner with you? How can we help you? How can we work together collaboratively so that the kingdom of God can become a reality Mm -hmm. in our sphere of influence, that we're doing this together? And there's just too many isolated, it, it kills me that we have United Methodist churches that we're supposed to be connectional in a district, yeah. in a conference, that we're supposed to be like the same family. And there's one like three or four blocks this way or four blocks this way or five blocks this way. We never talk to each other. We never <laughs> yeah. do anything together. We don't have anything to do with each other. Don't you talk to my people. Don't you come in my neighborhood. Don't you? It's like, really? Because I mean, it, it brings us back. That's got to die. It brings us back to the um, the article of even baptism. We <laughs> is going to be the operative word in the future, not I, right? Not me. It's got to be, the church has got to be, continue to move into a we, a belonging system. So you're saying the Pope system. is wrong? <laughs> I love Francis, but yeah. That's great. Anything else? No, that's great. All right, well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Pod Have Mercy.